0: What the fuck is really good? Haven't done this in a while. We are unlocking an old episode. This is with huge friend of the pod, drug dealer, Mike Collins. As much of a friend of a pod as you can get. We're doing this on today, Wednesday, June 15th, because today's drug dealer day. Yes, that's right. His slapper of the year, Madison, big long way to do single, first single off his upcoming new album drop today via Mexican summer you can hear it wherever you hear anything just like this because now this one is free for the world to hear this is from August 2021 and it's a slapper it's insane heat he goes to fucking as always as you're about to hear and if you want to hear more like this which we have plenty of go to patreon.com slash the ion pack we have heat like this constantly patreon.com slash the ion pack Already know.
1: Grain. Podcast. Rub
2: Vaseline on the lid. Patreon. Spike Jones sucks bad. Left wing politics. Wes Anderson West sucks. Anderson. You
1: are a creative. We get it. What? No QA?
0: James Gray sucks. As a filmmaker, he is nothing. A
1: zero. He's a a pig piece of shit. Never make a movie. Joe Schmo did the fucking
3: food. I, I go mentally ill. bender.
1: I was right. obsessed with
2: trash. The movie's trash. You know. Get me brackets. I'm my fucking line producer trust fund
3: baby. We're watching Mean Girls.
2: Let the creative people talk to the money people. Josh Sapke. This is a film. M.
1: Night Shyamalan. Final Cut Pro. I, I'm crazy about sound. Uh, have your. Finger on the pulse of filmmaking and society. Steven Soderbergh songs anyway. Instagram. Doritos bags look mad different.
3: Almost up slut.
0: Reduced black ratio.
3: Make out with girls.
1: Robert Altman. Spike Young sucks bad. We got Ion Pack. We got uh, Tony Hawk is in the house. There's a whole group of guys who pretend to be making special films. The aesthetic of, like, the unshown part of the show is, like, very professional podcast. And then the aesthetic of what's seen is, like, complete shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Casting couch shit. Yeah. All right, we're back. Welcome to the Ion Pod. Drug dealer. Thank you. Mike, drug dealer. Yeah, Mike, drug dealer. Mike, like, on
1: people's phones, it's like... When I lived in New York, it was always, like, Mike DMT. And then, because I did run DMT, and now it's, like... Mike drug dealer and i see you know people's phones in la i'm like there's probably like six
2: other Mike drug dealers <laughs> <laughs> thanks
1: for having me yeah
2: we're very happy to have you i'm i think we both were very aware i've been aware of you for a minute yeah i was a big fan of the end of comedies i think we mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah sick record
1: thanks that was the first album that i made post uh I spent like so many years like wanting to try to make songs because I got into music through kind of a weird channel. And that was the first album where I felt like I had finally stopped making like weird, like trial music or like learning Mm -hmm. how to maybe make music. And when I felt like uh, they were sounding like real songs, I was like, all right, let's change the name. Yeah. Start again. (laughs) I mean, I did that a lot, like a bunch of people. I had like a bunch of different names, you know? Yeah. Bloghouse era, yeah. Bloghouse
0: noise music <laughs> era was. But lovely. I will
1: say, uh love the pod, and also it's the first time I've supported someone on Patreon. And I was thinking, I was Big like, there's probably team. a lot of the people that are on your Patreon are like they don't are on aren't on other Patreons. You know, like I feel like you bring a lot of people. Yeah, that nice. is the true. Patreon Very should nice. be. I think that that glad. is actually. Yeah, I, I can yeah.
0: see. I actually noticed that before. Yeah, like P- I
1: don't know a single other thing that I would, that's on Patreon, you know? You guys have your own lane there.
2: Sick. I know, what do we do with that? It's, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. How do we really monetize? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I was listening to the record on my walk over here. It was my first time, you know, in a few years, but mm-hmm. straight fire. I mean, that 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 the, the, the track you did with Wise Boat specifically yeah. was like huge for me
1: when it came out. Like, yeah, yeah. I wore that. she killed out. it yeah you killed it that one called suddenly suddenly yeah i always tell people this but uh that song like natalie was actually really mad at me when we recorded it because she was <laughs> playing in the bay and i was living in oakland for a period of time and i think maybe i tried to open up for her but it was like awful or something <laughs> like by myself and then after her show she had to keep going on this tour and like I had just written that song and we went out, she played the show, we got drinks, we partied and then she was going to stay in my room and then I was going to go stay down the street and like, I was like, Natalie, this is the bed, also I just wrote this thing, I think it's really tight, I really want you to sing it and she was like, absolutely, when I get back to New York, send it to me and I was just like really impatient natalie do you think you could try it now and i made her do it at like 3 a.m and she was like triple tracking the vocals and she was so fucking i mean our whole friendship she's always like so annoyed with me but then like halfway through the song she's like this is dope but like you're gonna have to leave as soon as the last thing (laughs) but then it's just funny because then i guess people really like that song and but she was like sometimes magic is born out of yeah during the making of it yeah
0: (laughs) but that was you know good direction on your part probably give a impassioned Mm -hmm. uh angry performance
2: yeah tension can bring that out yeah Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. definitely a magic there that's really special um drug dealer as a name yeah and dmt previously
1: (laughs) i mean dude like i'm sorry
2: like (laughs) you fuck with drugs No, oh.
3: I used to,
1: I used to like, like psychedelics and now I'm like one of those people that like, when I do psychedelics, I just like think about like, things I forgot to do like two years ago, or like, <laughs> respond to some, an old friend or something. Right, like. right, right. I just like it's too, it's too crazy for me. But mm-hmm. that's why I like the name because when I go through customs, like in Europe they like tear me apart yeah. you know like they they like try to like tear down my ego and, like, figure out what i'm is wrong with me and i'm like dude there's so much stuff going on here that's wrong like i don't have any drugs <laughs> you know? it's a good ego like exercise, when yeah. i went through the first when i first called it the, the band that and made that record the first european tour we were going through london like that's where we were being processed in this dude was like okay what the hell are you guys doing and I, get, I was like this is our band manifest we're we're playing a tour and he looked at the name and he was like "Like, i was just about to go home dude he was like you gotta go two floors to the basement and then he was just like just sit here and he went into this other room with like a computer with this other guy and shut the door and then i heard them listening to like a couple tracks of mine just like muffled through and they like, listen to, like half of each song like a lot of it you know and then yeah and that was it i think they heard it and they were like this is so derivative that he's not Dane. he's, he's not and then at the end he was like i used to go see brian jones sound like this is psycho simulation yeah Uh, big shout out
2: to anton and andy big shout out to Brian. big shout out to andy
1: timiner yeah Yeah. i actually that episode got me really sparked because i don't know i just boss i always liked dig and we live in public so much but like i'm one of those people who like at the party i'm like i'm a cinephile but i like actually don't look into the people enough you know which is why i love your podcast but she's a legend
0: she's yeah,
2: a legend huge she's legend
1: the way that she her outlook on just like go out there and try something is that's kind really
2: of a long time relentless yeah
1: that's like how i operate in art and a lot of people do think i'm a philistine because they're just like <laughs> you think there's no barrier to entry <laughs> you know? right right but that's like really inspired me because you know secrets out i'm like would rather be a filmmaker than musician. Oh, <laughs> so, sir. I tell like my label that. They're yeah. like don't tell anyone else. <laughs> but the truth is is that that's the case and the way that she goes about it it, it makes me feel like yeah. I could try try again. Totally. Yeah.
2: Uh, I liked what you were saying right before we started recording about how like filmmakers want your music, but you're so much more interested in actually developing a score or like doing something that isn't like your. Yeah. Well, I just like,
1: I really like like classic scores. I really like, like what's his name? Like Jerry Goldsmith Mm -hmm. or like Italian people like Alessandro Alessandroni or like, you know, Piero Piccioni. And like, I just like that kind of music that's like composer based. And now I feel like, just like with everything filmmakers just want stuff that has already been released or is pop music and is in the canon of like the future. Yeah, but I really like, like obviously like with my music and stuff, it's the same with scores. Like I like the old traditional. Yeah. Melodic orchestral stuff. And yeah. So whenever like my songs get used for like a movie, I like, I wish I could just, like, hit up the director and be like, why don't you just take a chance and let yeah. me make a Mellotron
2: piece. You could do that. Instead. Yeah. You I mean, I guess them. so, but, you know, I just, I don't know, I've tried, you know. Is there, like, a middleman? Is, that, is like, all middleman out with, like, label and, like, the communication? I
1: just got signed to a publishing company, and mm-hmm. that's kind of... During the pandemic, we figured out the contract, and now it's starting. So, that's... I'm I'm hoping that we can, you know, whatever. I'm. Yeah. I just like make a lot of fake scores basically like yeah. I have like so much stuff like when I'm not for me to make a song is it's not like what I do. I don't sit at home and like try to write songs all day like it's so rare. But when it when it comes, it's just an idea and I'm like I flesh it out. But I do make like just incidental like yeah. music piano music all yeah. the time. So I think about I mean, you know, I think a lot of musicians like they think it being accompaniment to, like, a to cinema, but... Yeah, yeah.
0: well, the thing about, you know, Jerry Goldsmith and, like, those classic scores is the melodies were very evocative and, um, you know, it, it had this kind of upfront melody that was supposed to kind of lead the scene along, yeah. whereas a lot of modern scores are more... It, it does function in a social media way of, like, vibe. It's like, yeah. let's get a mood going, which... Yeah of course has its place as well but i can't think of many modern scores that have that kind of uh spotlighted
2: melody yeah uh, you know what i'm Which saying is obviously something that's big for you like suddenly for example yeah and big shouts to natalie and West, what, too. Big big shout, insane shout out to, yeah. insane voice insane voice but like the the mel the the patchwork of melodies in that song are very specific and like yeah. they you know it moves into different movements and like but it is very like melody based yeah with, a, with, like, a cinematic feel to it. Is there, like, do all those melodies come to you differently or, like, like at different times and you're stitching them together? Or like- I
1: mean, I kind of know what you're saying because, I mean, yeah, to understand it is about how I got into music, but I really don't understand harmony that, that much. Like, I'm one of those people that just, like, hears a top-line melody and then just, like, figures out how to present it. So... And that is similar to I think a lot of those old movie scores too. Like you're mm. saying, like there would be one like there'd be like one violin line that was the theme of yeah. the movie. And then right. whatever is going on behind it is mixed low and like I love that sound. Yeah, you know? Same. And uh a lot of music now is more maximal. There's like as many melodies as we can fit in. And yep. I think that's one of the reasons why some I guess thankfully like some part of my music has found any success is because it's I don't use old like gear from the 60s or or I don't I'm not trying to make it sound old but what I do like about music from that period is not like an aesthetic or like a lifestyle like people yeah, think that right, I right, do. Right. It's actually just that it's all more concise. It's it's based around this lead singer singing this melody, you know, like yeah.
3: it's
1: it's like a Yeah, there's too much stuff going on for me in a lot of yeah M- music going around and you know i like listening to all of it but i really like when something has like a the star you know yeah, like a melody totally. can be the the lead mm-hmm. actor or whatever you know yeah yeah and yeah. Um, but yeah i mean i i think of i also think of doing music as directing because or like i think of it in terms of my filmmaking aspirations too because like I was saying, like I kind of, I got into music late uh, in life. So I, I never grew up mastering any instrument or anything. And I think of, I hear a melody in my head while I'm playing the piano. I just like play a couple chords and then I hear this melody and then I bring it to the people that I collaborate with. And they're kind of like the crew. Like right, I think right. of like casavetti's a lot. Like yeah. when I go to make a record, I'm just like, I have these friends, they're going to stay pretty close by and I'm going to. Pull a melody out that i'm thinking of and they're gonna like help me really com- construct it with like minimal personnel but like you know just people who are really talented at flushing right. those things out with me and yeah. i yeah you know like i know how to motivate these people that i they, that really inspire me and yeah it's a good collaboration <laughs> and like and, you, you know.
0: know their strengths so 100%. you know how to when you have an idea or like a seed for something yeah. You know what to give to each of them that will yeah like they they will bring the most to
1: yeah i feel like it's really hard with collaboration where a lot of people they're like i want to make music together because like we should make music because you do something that's really similar to what i do i'm like you're the last last person i want to collaborate with you know what i mean like i want to collaborate with people that have a completely different approach and you know, to me, that's beautiful. But a lot of those people who, who are like, we would make such good music together. I'm like, they get in the room together and they're like, I want to do everything. And the other person's like, I want to do everything. Yeah, You know, it's too similar. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can stay in my lane too. Like mm. everyone wants to do a bunch of things all the time if they're creatively ambitious. But yeah. I know how to stay in my lane in terms of being like, okay, like I suck at music. Like my band is like, yo, yo, stay out of our way. And they're like, <laughs> Helping me make my song, I'm like, for sure. Yeah. Not gonna yeah. Not going to step worry. on your toes. Like, yeah. They're like, we know how to do this. Okay. The idea is good, but your part, your part is Right. Good. Right. Well, I think that's a good attitude because, yeah. you know,
0: I, I make my own music, but I've also played in lots of other bands. So I, I know the difference of like playing someone else's thing and being there to kind of support it mm-hmm. versus being the one who has the ideas. Yeah. And when I'm the one who has the ideas, I need to be the least talented person
2: in the room. Yeah. It like, feels so good to be yeah. the least
1: talented person in the room. Also. Yeah. If people are helping you you're like
2: i mean i'm just very grateful You yeah. know what yeah. i mean that's the sickest place creatively to operate yeah. from yeah you and should be a director but right? make the movie well yeah. yeah let's all right those well, inst- let's get th- into that things apply to like all of your collaborators musically like if you, those were actors yeah. in the same sense like that's no, I the know, perfect I know. way to make a movie.
1: 100 but that's the whole thing i mean like just just to give you a little backstory because i mean you he, you know you probably know you yeah. not but yeah. i like from when I was really young, I just wanted to make movies. Like since I was I think my mom said like when I was seven, um, I gave her a spiel that was like, I need to be able to watch any rated rating of film because it's what I want to do with my life. Right. She was like, You're seven. And I was like I was like, I need I need to watch all of Wes Craven's movies. Right now I think he's a genius. My mom's just like you're such a little like she told. She talks about it now. She's like, "He's so manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to see those movies, which is true." And I told my friend's son recently. He asked me when my friend I was out with my friend Kenny and his son. If Kenny hears this, it's like, "Yeah, dude, I totally am trying to manipulate your son <laughs> in the in the right way." So right. Yeah. He was like, "Mike, I heard that you like you know like movies." And he's like, "I like thrillers." And I'm like, "Me too. Me too." And he's like my mom won't let me watch them. And I was like, all right, here's what you do. This is what I did. But I was like, if you do this, she's gonna let you watch the films, but you have to be very convincing that you wanna be a filmmaker. Also, side note, it's probably gonna accidentally lead you to wanting to be a filmmaker, which is a yeah. good thing. And he yeah. was like, yeah. And then he kinda came back from, I was like, all right, let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> but it's But it's funny because since I was very young, I was really serious about doing yeah. film. And I think I'm one of those, I think there's a lot of people like me In the music industry, Mm -hmm. like, I think we talked about this once, it's like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people I know, who make music, they wanted to make films, but it's, it's, uh, it's an audacious task, dude, like, it's so much easier to be like, tell a linear format story with like, a couple people just playing, jamming, you know, and you can tell you can get, you know, a narrative across that way. And it's happening omnipresently, music, like, so many reasons people like me get funneled into doing music but then we're we're always like or at least for me it's never left me but like I've never felt like yes as soon as I started to do music and people liked it I was never like this is what I'm supposed to do I was always like no I just want to make film but like a lot of people I think I went up to the college point I didn't I never played music I was never interested in, in it doing it I was always interested in doing film but when I got to the point and I was like in college and it was time to make films. I was like, you haven't even lived like your films are gonna be trash. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't want to make a bad student film. But I went to also what a lot of people do I think is they go to art school cuz they want to make movies they want to go like the David Lynch route. Right. But then I was just in art school being like, I shouldn't be here like at all. Yeah. Like I've no, I, I don't know what to do here. But I went to Micah so then. Right when I was like, I'm not ready to make movies. I need to have some life experience. I was just in Baltimore and the Wham City art scene Big was shells. burgeoning. And I was like, dude, I'm going I'm to get into this. And that's yeah. how I started making music. Like basically like because of Dan, you know? Yeah. I mean, he kind of knows this, I think. But it's like, you know how many hundreds of kids could say that Dan yeah, who right. lived in Baltimore at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so... It's just funny because I started making music because I wasn't ready to make film. And then now it's like, You're right. it's kept me, it's pushed me, you know, people like have liked my music and I think it's because there's, that's baked into it to some degree. Like, right. You yeah. know, like I want to tell a clear narrative story with some of the music that I make and a mm-hmm. lot of people that make music are like, I don't know, a little less concerned with narrative like they're actually more into the musicianship than right i am and yeah it's just a weird yeah. i got i got some weird baggage with this shit <sighs>
2: no that's a common theme i think that more like producers and musicians now more than ever have such impeccable du- directorial sense in terms of like telling their character story of mm-hmm. like their, yeah you know pop artist or whatever their musician persona is that is very like film writing very cinematic yeah I would love to see. P- I mean, you're like this. Yeah. I, I think you'd make a great movie. You have you tried?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was. I've I've tried to make like a couple films so far in my life, and like I was thinking about. It, I was like, what ones can I talk? Like, which <laughs> ones am I like abandoning? You know. Right. 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 But uh, yeah, I've tried to make films. Um, it's fun. It is. It's so much harder than making music. That yeah. Once you've made music, and it's like we wrote this song and we recorded it in the same setting, sitting for yeah. like that song with Natalie at 3 a.m. Like yeah, drunk. Yeah. And then like, you see how much it means to people. Then you go to make a film and you work like so hard for like this, like one, yeah. like beginning of making a film. You're just like, this is insanely intense. And yeah. like, but I will say this one, the one film that I started that, I I will tell you about yes I, I'm, I can't f- it's one of those things like you could never finish it you yeah. know or like I could never finish at this point in my mm-hmm. life but when I went to go work on it for the first time it's like a, it's a documentary but the first time I traveled was here basically to New Jersey to do the first shoot for the documentary I left the thing and I just like burst into tears because it's like when you do something like i do when you're a musician mm-hmm. but you're you feel like a wolf in sheep's clothing right and you've been wanting to do this thing for so long i've talked about films that i want to make all the time but that was the first time where i like spent all my money like yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to pursue this film and after the first day of shooting i remember i went to like the wallet you guys ever go to the wallet no. it's like where mac demarco and Some of the people from Tonsert's Bandit. Oh, the um, the Myrtle Broadway spot. PC Warship. Yeah. I live there. I have Myrtle. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. But for years, like, I would basically, like, live there, like, whenever I was in New York, like, on the floor. But I went there right after this shoot, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it was raining, and they opened the door, and I just started, like, seeing somebody that knows me really well, and realizing, like, this is what I want to do. And then, like after that day like mac was like dude you if you don't make movies you're gonna be fucked for life like you know what i mean he was like so much to you and like i don't know but yeah i I tried to make this documentary and i bit way off way more than i could chew
2: well it needs that level of dedication though because it is hard but i mean it's fun it's hard it takes a long time hopefully it's worth it at the end of the day but something you're saying is interesting to me like I don't know how long it took to make Suddenly, for example, but like, yeah, it it does exist and has reached a yeah. lot of people. You can spend like exponentially more time making a movie, and it can mean nothing. I know. to anyone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like horribly, <laughs> like terrifying for you. And it's a huge risk. Yeah, you're yeah. scared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm scared. You yeah. should.
1: Be. I mean, yeah, I I am too for like what doing that with film as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's so it's so scary. It's the best. Is the best fear I well, think it film is really interesting though at this moment compared to doing music the reason I feel like I'm ready to try is a uh, f- number one I'm finally like stable in my like yeah, yeah, yeah. career with music I feel like I could step away from it for a year mm-hmm. and continue to make it afterwards but secondly like um, the music industry is so oversaturated now
2: like
3: no.
1: kids come up to me at my shows like these young kids who are like they're not there because like i'm like a cool artist they're like i want to be a songwriter too like you you really care about songwriting and i'm like good luck dude people do not like the blogosphere era is gone i don't know how you're gonna get your stuff out there yeah and the barrier to entry is so low with music that like literally like every single person in the world has like the tools there's just stuff on spotify uh, yeah. yeah
0: i we, I was talking about this with people last night about how the the optimistic way to look at something like this because we're talking about how people are saying how they think it kind of happens across all forms uh people were with were writers they're talking about in the writing yeah. sphere but it's definitely true with short films now as well mm-hmm. of it's more accessible than ever to technically finish something and get it in the public sphere yeah it's like you can upload it immediately um so the thing you're saying about this barrier for entry being so low the optimistic way to look at it is that's this is so many people who like never kind of put in the time yes uh is just a byproduct of something that's ultimately good which is increased accessibility for Mm -hmm. everyone so the mo- that's the most optimistic view is you have to just like have faith that the the the, work. the people who aren't really in it uh it won't last and that's just a byproduct of yeah. increased accessibility. What I was
1: yeah exactly what I was getting at with the whole and then and then with film as opposed to music yeah it feels like the barrier to entry has been so high and mm-hmm. I think that's like divisively false now like I think that like if you like. If you actually stick through and like finish a feature film it's like to me i'm like i want to see it because i'm like everyone is like oh i've just made a track
3: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. "Yeah." i'm like that's sick like (laughs) i'll listen to it right but like making a film going walking that line all the way through is like if you do that i personally feel like a it should be good or at some point you should have realized that like these last four years are a fucking waste but like i just think that it's exciting like if Mm -hmm. i was to spend a lot of time making a film it's like i don't know like you know like there's something about if you're just able to finish it i feel like there is a platform like people that's a serious gesture of of artistry you know and making like a ep or an album is like I don't know if it holds the same water for me but well i think there
2: are different types of gambles yeah like it's like walking into a casino it's like making tracks or like making eps or maybe making albums feels to me like putting like a dollar or five dollars ten dollars into the slot machine making movies like putting 30 grand on red totally and like you don't find out whether you hit or not for like a couple years (laughs) right which is is exciting. Like there is there is a, an adrenaline rush that co- goes along with like I'm putting everything into this, right? And but I may lose.
1: It separates people. is kind of what I was like in a cool way. Like mm-hmm. there's there's not an oversaturation of like cool new directors. There should be, but like people have convinced themselves that that would be too hard. They've given up on that dream. They're mm-hmm. like I'm too, you know, like it's too much work. No, oh, no, maybe they have too many psycho problems like yeah, i can't collaborate yeah, yeah. with all of those people. I, I actually
0: don't know if that's a bad thing though no because, i think it's a good because, thing because right because that's the problem with music is that yeah, it exactly. is easier to do so people never give up like that yeah. because they're like i could just keep doing this i yeah. can make a new but, song tomorrow i can make yeah, a new song 100%. next day yeah the I think
2: add right economy that. works in film's favor to some degree yeah, because that's... it takes so like people don't have the attention span to like right. see it through but
0: but this is also a good thing for a like, doubly good thing because a part of a frustration i have with music is is exactly this, and then if I complain about it, I sound like some like bitter old guy who's like, "Oh, these kids like don't—they never put in the time, they never paid their <laughs> dues," which is not really what I mean. But it is this thing of, uh, you know, people who really do know what they're doing in music or like really do have a vision or whatever. Uh, they do put a lot into this into the oh, stuff, yeah. and it used to be you had to put a lot into music. Now you don't. Yeah. Um. So it kind of like almost devalues the whole thing, and I think that's partially why what you're saying like good luck why the yeah. in music industry is so in such a weird limbo right now yeah i think this because i mean maybe this sounds like mean to you know young kids making shit music but it's just like <laughs> it did kind of devalue the whole thing yeah um and again hopefully that's just a necessary byproduct of increased accessibility that will that can be made up for in other positive ways but yeah it did happen, I think. And in a way that probably can't fully happen with films because it's inherently... Yeah. There's so much more required to keep the engine running. Totally.
2: You're ahead of the game, though, because I think people who have honed their craft creatively, even if it's in a different medium, like music... Walking into film is... Walking into film yeah. makes sense. Like, you know, we had Ben Hosey, who's like mm-hmm. front front man of a band, he made a really good movie. And I don't think... Him not being in the band and going straight in a film would have served that movie better. I think whatever influences and like creative acumen he gathered along the way of doing his band helped make that movie good. Yeah. Which is huge.
1: I think so too. I mean, like you said, like the way specifically that I record with my collaborators, it's yeah, I mean, I watch documentaries about filmmakers. I don't really I don't watch as many documentaries about like steely dan like (laughs) like i I, like see the way that that people work together like you know i really like ryan tricartan i really like the way that he you know ryan tricartan the way that he made his stuff like he's like let's go get a house in florida and none of us are leaving till this fucking movie's done yeah like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the way that i like to go record my music yeah i'm like let's create like a matrix of like yeah. You yeah. know like let's live inside this project if we can. You if you guys are world, down, yeah. if it's worth it for you, you know, yeah. let's let's uh you know, get in each other's heads, you know, or whatever. And I
2: think the art school thing can work too cuz like someone like Lynch, who like he was just a painter for a long time before he made films, but like I don't think he would have just gone straight into films no. and made them good no, without so. like developing some mm-hmm. sort of visual He went to style. art school and
1: then like did the AFI or Yeah, or he did yeah, I forget what
2: what it was. He went to uh the art college in Philadelphia and was right. a painter for a long time and he started making like animation paintings and like yeah, animated stuff. And then at some point he like pitched a racerhead, I believe, to AFI and right. they gave him money to do it. And then right. he spent like five years to right. making a razor yeah. But like that was that's a long time to making your first movie. Like totally. he was making shorts and stuff, but like there was no feature for like he was six years into filmmaking and didn't he that, work on a razorhead for like six or seven years Crazy.
1: Right the whole process of Razorhead, I, I finally yeah. heard about it and i was like it's insane it's almost like like a less machiavellian like kubrick situation where everyone yeah. working on it was like <laughs> losing their lives to it but yeah. like but lynch is like so sweet and like passionate about it that they're like you know they're living in like one of his like <laughs> Dream
3: sequences. yeah exactly that
2: becomes the game at some point yeah. though is like keeping people stoked on it and like keeping people engaged in a sense that like oh this is gonna be something at some point because it's it's so crazy up until the time that it's yeah. not and it's out and people yeah. fuck with it like it, it's an insanity until the moment that it yeah. exists
1: i've had a lot of situations where i collaborate with people and it's like really fun for them because like i get kind of like uh you know, I'll like slip into a character and then like my guitarist Mikey will also for the week that we're recording in New York. And, you know, like we get pretty silly, like when yeah. we're recording music. And I think people, um, yeah, people need that. Like if you're, if someone's going to also, it's funny, something that I was thinking about this weekend when we were here, I was like, it's funny that like, there are really no bands anymore. Like uh, yeah. a drug dealer uh, yeah. is a band. Like, I don't know. I think so. Like, I need all of those people to yeah. do it, but like I am a solo person signed to a label. It's all so. Confusing, yeah, 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 yeah. But like the for someone to wanna play with you and create with you um, and really be integral to your process, you really have to appreciate them and make sure that they're, you know, mm-hmm. involved through and through yeah. and like taken care of. and the people that i work with are like my best friends there's like no hired guns you know like right. but they need to be engaged and they need to know not just from your track record that you want to finish things you know like right. yeah and that's really i think that's like my skill as a musician is like fi- finisher like i not right. i'm it's not piano it's it's not like singing like it's like um project management and like vibe management that's like literally what i play in my band i feel like that's what it's all about i think yeah they're all such geniuses like everyone in my band like is like one of those people that you should know their music but they like hold it close to their chest and never Uh release it you know yeah whatever someday i'll leak it all yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. um well another uh, interesting thing about hearing you say all this though and like your film aspirations and just you know, well, I mean, we've talked about it before, so I, I kind of get a sense of how you feel. And this is a recurring theme on this show: is um, a, a constant feeling of dissatisfaction. And and there's definitely like a, the whole other tier of people behind you who are like, I wish what, I had what that guy had. Totally. Yeah. And then there's a tier of people behind them saying, I wish I had what those guys had. Uh, well, Even it, you saying yeah, that, that you watch documentaries even,
2: yeah. about filmmakers. Yeah like i only watch music documentaries yeah, right i, no, no, I couldn't see? i wouldn't be oh, dead, dead okay i see how what you, make and like, i
0: got i you know i started getting more and more into movies the more frustrated i got Yeah, you
2: watch more movies than i do yeah and i always how talk to they, like, you- cure live yeah <laughs> like and whole- i always
0: talk to you about how much i like how jealous i am of a collaborative film set because it feels you know more open and generous and uh you know stimulating than making music especially this like sitting and writing music by yourself yeah, yeah. i'm like i hate doing this i'm so <laughs> yeah. bored of it i'm gonna <laughs> jump out the window and grass is always greener and we yeah and we always you know we talked about it with theo and so many other people who were like oh man like you're in such a great position like you're
2: crushing it and he's like
0: i don't know i think like you guys are in a better position yeah. it, it's just like it's, this Theo's is a like, constant like, yeah, revering thing like
2: my most successful friend and yeah. like he I mean this is nothing i'm not saying he's sad necessarily but like he really thought that we had it better and i was like bro you're insane like your name is on the marquee of ifc like no and i talk about
0: it, like, with people who i know who know i do this podcast they're saying they're like dude like you you're crushing it like this is so good i'm like yeah yeah this i know but we do. <laughs> i also like still feel as unsatisfied as ever and and no, but i'm like oh, but you have it good because you and they're like no i've have never felt more satisfied it's the thing just, that you're talking
1: about is I mean, I know why it's recurring because it's just recurring in society. In yeah. I think. But yeah. like, one one of the things in terms of art that that makes me think about is like, do you think that we do these things that we get in these like juxtaposed uh, like channels of inspiration as to what we actually are doing, or what, do you think it's because it's the only way to focus on what we're doing? Like, I think so. For me, I'm like, man, like I'm doing this music, like. I really appreciate it, but really it's like, comes from like my film aspirations. Actually, is that because I'm supposed to make music, but like me wanting to make be a filmmaker my whole life is like actually just a ruse so that I don't, as a musician, like think of myself as a musician too much. And that's why some people can actually be successful because they're not that attached to the thing that they're doing. Like, is that, does that help? The thing that you're doing, yeah. be organic and and actually grow and not die after the first album or something like, you know, like that dissatisfaction is like, case in point, like, it's how a lot of people like move as an artist, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. h- what is satisfaction as being an ar- artist? Like, you know, like, I see some people like feel that way. And I'm like, oh, that's the last album. That- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, yeah. I know. That's it's so, so true. true. I mean, yeah. I just think that we have to trick ourselves. Like at Ouroboros, like chase your own tail. Right, right. Bit. Well, in order to keep making something that is about real life and not just about no, your totally.
0: Video, well, you know? so I think the reason I like watching movies so much, the more music I make, is because you know when I'm kind of in that part of my brain of writing music and like being like in creative mode or whatever. Yeah. And I listen to music. All I can do is hear it in context of writing music. Like yeah. I can't hear it kind of objectively yeah so and and in that if i if i get too lost in that it becomes this like negative feedback loop of that's what happens when you the thing we always talk about just like the la sessions vibe of just like people writing and trying to the new b jump off yeah jump off what this other songwriter is doing and it becomes this weird like circle jerk of people just kind of
1: influences the way that pop music yeah in the indie world or whatever yeah. it influences the way that it goes. Right and sound. So
0: when I watch a movie, I'm not thinking of it uh as some as a filmmaker or as an artist. I can like watch it objectively and kind of internalize the emotion and the story and all this stuff in a more pure way that like is has no context in my own life. You know what I mean?
1: You know what's interesting about that point? When I watch a film that I really um When I watch, there's a lot of films that I do watch and I can't watch them objectively. Like I'm pausing them. I'm like writing ideas and like, like I'm like one of those people that watches films, like maybe like, you know, like a a new Dutch surrealist film, like Borgman or something like that. Like I'll watch that and I'll be like, so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest. Like, I love this thing. Like, it's so inspiring to me that I like can't really watch it right. so what i do watch most of the time and mcgregor was like you should bring this up Is like things like enemy of the state because then i can <laughs> finally like just watch it and just yeah. be like oh i just want to watch a movie but yeah. like so i watch thrillers a lot yeah it doesn't really feel yeah. like exactly the th- the lane that i want to exist in as a filmmaker so i think people do that too which is totally. related like totally. to distracting yourself like you have to be able to a be a fan in the medium that you want to work in totally. You can't just be breaking everything down yeah based i mean, on what you want to do so you have to find things that are your entertainment yeah genre and then totally you have to find things right and there. i think that's
0: a pretty common t- like in everyone i know who likes movies it's just like you they have a whole list of things they want to explore but they're like no let's just like watch a thriller yeah. or like something like neo-noir tonight that's like sure. that's how i kind of
2: just get into it that's where i'm at in a different zone but i'm just there with like comedy i'm like right watching like mike yeah. judge shit like, comedy
1: is the ultimate like distractor of somebody who uh, wants to follow some serious pursuits you yeah, know like yeah. comedy is there it's really the most serious intellectual art form oh absolutely it oh, serves yeah. as a way for people to like digress in their life just yeah. by laughing and mm-hmm. you know like I mean, comedy is just the deepest, dude.
2: It actually is. It actually really is. I think it's like the final form. It (laughs) is the final form. Yeah, I I agree.
1: Um, The end of comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. I wanted to. uh, Wait, I'm just trying to think. You guys have interviewed so many people that, like, touch my life. You know, like. Mm. Oh, like who? Well, Krell. uh, I know Tom and, like, Sophie is actually, like, Mm -hmm. when I got signed to Stone Star to do this. r&b project with sasha she worked there and now she's signed Mm -hmm. to them she's an old friend and uh and dan because like you know like i said dan was like kind of one of my big inspirations to start doing
2: us too art really just in general just like as a cultural someone you
1: know who's uh, what i was thinking is uh you guys should try to interview uh like batmos or at least Drew or something yeah because when i was When I left Micah and I started to make music, I eventually met. I lived in this house that was called the Tribal House. It was kind of like I've been to the Tribal House. A bunch of like big shouts, um, the most amazing like noise experimental. Big shouts, Chris Shields. Chris Shields is the best. but but anyways, I lived in this house and like Matt Most. You know, they're like some of like the like yeah the Godfathers that was that was like bless us with like knowledge and we'd be like yeah you know (laughs) but they would tell they'd be like, you guys need to watch this movie. So we would all like sit around a lot and like, what? there was this, there was a video store like a holdout last video store in Baltimore. But I just remember when I left Micah and I was living there in Baltimore. Drew or Martin would, would drop like some movie that you guys should watch. And we would all sit around as like a family and like watch these f- films that they told us about and like they're, their taste they just have the best taste what were they yeah. telling you to watch well they told us to watch have you ever seen demon seed no no it's like basically they told us to watch this movie by donald camille mm-hmm. who later i would get obsessed with as a filmmaker but it's just like a film it's like one of those early smart house sci-fi thrillers mm. like pre-black mirror but yeah it's like in the early 80s so it's like or even the late 70s but it's like This guy invents this smart house with his wife. They work on the project for so long. Like the first house that's fully automated. They work on the project for so long that their marriage falls apart. So they're divorcing. And they were both living in their first smart house prototype. And they both have to, they're both moving out of it. And I I don't know, going their separate ways. But he moves out first and she's like going to stay there one more night. And Mm -hmm. the house is like, now's my chance. Like. I'm deeply in love with you and you're never leaving you know Whoa. and the house is like whatever it gets it gets really crazy like the house tries to make a hybrid house human baby with her and it's just so <laughs> out there but so beautifully made and i was like it's i would have never heard of it but yeah just you know people like that in baltimore people they love movies there i mean yeah. you yeah, know like do. john waters is like yeah in the midst and like i was already really into film my whole life but when i moved there and i was in the music scene there it was just really good for me because mm-hmm. you know it's one of those places where the musicians don't just think about doing music like they, right. they think of Everything. art as a 360 exactly. deal exactly
2: you know? we've, we've given big shouts to the baltimore scene yeah i know funny. i know and uh, no it's worth reiterating because like we even for us like from Philly to New York, like yeah. that Baltimore scene was always huge. Yeah, so and whatever the whatever yeah. the spirit was. And when we were in there, high school, we thought Baltimore was like the coolest. Shit. Yeah, Micah, like everybody coming out of Micah.
1: Well, Micah is like this splash pad where everyone goes who are like are like vaguely want to be creative, like me. In their, but they don't know what they want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, and then they go there and they're like, "Let's just move into this warehouse." Like all these people are making the sick art, you know, and mm-hmm. they're making this institution look like not my path or something right know. yeah so it's just really cool because when we when we would inevitably leave that school you just we moved into like the copycat building like Mm -hmm. i moved into dan's room that was the first like out of college right i like he was finally leaving the copycat he's like i've been here too long (laughs) and i moved into his room you know and like it was like moving into actual art school like the yeah michael was like a facade for me you know yeah totally and then like i got into this like completely disgusting like should be condemned warehouse but it was like a dormitory there was like hundreds and hundreds of kids living there Mm -hmm. you know on on different floors different apartments and it really was like that was like college for me yeah it It
2: fostered something yeah clearly in a lot of people
1: dan was living i mean i guess it was wham city they were like decommissioning it Mm -hmm. and he was like the last person to leave and a bunch of people that i kind of knew from school had taken that floor of the warehouse over and they were starting to live there and i was going to move in but he was the last person to leave so when i came in he was like rushing in to like he's like wait hold on to like (laughs) take a bunch of trash out or something from his room but he lived in the room I moved into of his was uh, just an old freight elevator that was stuck on that floor permanently. <laughs> so, like, you had to, like, you were in the kitchen of this, you know, like this shoddy DIY built kitchen. And then you had to, like, every time you go to your room, you had to, like, shimmy down this, like, three foot wide hallway and then, like, open this huge freight elevator door. And there was, like, a loft built in there. It was, like, wow, it was just like a rat's cage. Dude. <laughs> but sounds, that's like safe. yeah <laughs> that's why he the, you know and then i was like whoa he like made this music in here and like he's fucking nuts yeah is that where he <laughs> made like his early no, i don't know i i mean yeah i guess if i don't know where he lived that whole time but that he lived in that apartment for a lot of yeah. the, like the, i don't know spider-man of the rings probably like damn so that's yeah. where
2: the goat shit
0: i know Fuck. yeah it was you know the you the, the baltimore lifestyle was always you know i was like this is one of the coolest enclaves of yeah america there was
1: just so much like interplay between people mm-hmm. who are doing who were working in different mediums and like it really did feel like um like open in that creative output but it's also was really beautiful because nobody really nobody was like i want to go play in new york or like i wonder if like people in la like know about no. our music like right, it right. was such a bubble that like I mean, literally, I was, like, just playing for the people that live here. The, I don't know what, like, right. 1, well, thousand people seen here yeah, was, like, exactly. the end-all, be-all. And that was really good for fostering the beginning of yeah. doing art, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it that also can run its course at some yeah. point. And then so a bunch of people left, and then that scene kind of dissipated. For me, in, in the sense that I knew it, but I just stayed i just have a network of people all around the world now that used to live there but, but yeah it was really inspiring and i know people say this about a lot of scenes around that time of like the the blogosphere yeah. music yeah, yeah, yeah. era like a lot of scenes were anytime i go to a city the the music scene was so lit but yeah well in it's, baltimore it was crazy it's
0: funny you say that because when back in this same era when we were in philly um that was actually my that was like why i moved to new york when i was why i wanted to come to new york so bad when i was 18 is because i was actually frustrated with how no one in philly had any aspiration outside of philly it was like yeah you know or any type of like uh meaningful professional aspiration even it was there to like no we're just doing our thing and like we want our friends to like it it's just like this self-contained art scene yeah which yeah, as I started to get older, I was like, nah, I I I want to, like, break out of this. I want to, like, expand my horizon. Um, But, you know, now looking back on it, I was like, no, that
2: was a beautiful thing. You're nostalgic but, for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of us. Yeah. No, yeah. Philly and yeah. Baltimore, like, represent more of an ideal to me. I mean, as much as I love New York, like, what you're talking about doesn't really exist in New York as much. Not at all.
1: But is it sort of existing here, and this is why you're doing this, but for film a little bit? Because...
2: Yeah, no. This the indie yeah. film scene in New York is certainly a thing, and was like the first like world I was introduced to when I moved here. I was like, oh, this is like there's like these characters, yeah. there's these people doing this thing, and like music. I mean, like there's stuff going out out in like Queens and Brooklyn and like kind of further out that like I'm sure is cool, but like I just was not visible to me as much as yeah, yeah. as film film was. Yeah. And, like, even the film scene has its own problems and is roastable. I get... Well, everything is (laughs) roastable roastable. at this point. (laughs) Microwavable. (laughs) But, like, the
1: thing... There's scenes for film, just, like, because I'm such a little nerd about it, like, that I, like, get in my head, like, nostalgic for. Like, I wasn't even, like... I was, like, a paramecium. Like, I wasn't even (laughs) an adult. But, like, I I was, like... I think about, like, Austin when, like, Linklater was there Mm -hmm. and, like... All of the people around him he's like we're gonna make this movie and then they start making movies and it snowballs yeah i always want that to happen but everywhere around me it's like that's happening with music and i'm like right. damn like yeah it's really <laughs> hard to convince people like hey let's let's make feature films right like, it's hard to get people on board but yeah
0: it
2: is and myself included it, no, it's really it's hard. strong here yeah i know so people are... maybe I,
1: yeah maybe maybe we should move here actually yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well that was the big question in moving here was like yeah. oh if you're into movies you go to la yeah. like la is where movies are there's
1: another one of those like dichotomies where it's yeah. like i moved to new york to do a film but i'm from la movies are in la but now the i think it, i should be in new york like it's like what the hell are we doing dude? Yeah, know. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. everybody should just make the shit it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter where you are just figure
2: it out yeah <laughs> <I know. laughs> make your scene i mean i think that's sort of like if there's any enjoyment that we get out of this is like maybe defining a scene or like feeling like there's some collective the the pack the
1: pack the pack is real like there's a lot like i think what i was kind of getting at is i feel like i represent some part of the pack where it's like you do damn i i want to be a filmmaker like so bad like i do this other thing you know like (laughs) and it's a really good podcast for that because you because you know you're talking to people who you know i'm not an visible person in the film world you know but i'm i'm there in the trenches like yeah, wanting yeah. to be or, and thinking about all the time and your podcast is cool for that you know but then you talk to like these heavy hitter film people who you know like Andy or theo and it's yeah it's, it's enlightening you know
2: yeah yeah damn well, uh, yeah i don't <laughs> well, know no i think the community element is important though like i think you are just as important as any of the other people like other people can like come in and drop knowledge about like their experience in the film world but i think what we were talking about earlier in terms of just like people honing their creative craft is very relevant to being a good filmmaker or being a good artist like i think ultimately like we're probably more interested in just like people who are make good sick art yeah rather than like oh who's making the sick next level film um there just happens to be a scene here for that where people are very motivated to see that through mm-hmm. to the finish line mm-hmm. i recognize that less in other places is what's kept me here long enough like mm. i've been to la enough to feel like there is an indie scene there though but that one that i'm like less attracted to or one that's maybe more polluted by hollywood because how could it not yeah. be it's, it's literally right there like in new york for a movie to break through i mean gotta give big shouts to the boys the Safties did do this yeah they did they they gave hope to, like, everybody they gave who wanted to make music They gave people extreme here. hope. Which is people huge. People like me, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and the fact that Dan was involved in it, too. I was like, it's... Or, or you know, that that One O'Tricks made stand. the music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, yeah. I was just like, it's Dan. Like, he's Dan's doing it. Like, yeah. he's yeah. getting in there. Like, yeah, we yeah. all, like, from, you know, a bunch of musicians that yeah. have known Dan over the years. Like, that was huge for us. We were like... Going to, like, the, like, Regency, like, IMAX to, like, listen to one Otrix like, blah. it was yeah, just, like, yeah, yeah. it was emotional, like, yeah. you know? I, I saw Run-DMT
0: and one Otrix together way back in the day, actually. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Dude. Yeah. It was not. Run-DMT was, <laughs> didn't know how to play live shows. Like <laughs> Dan was, like, so disappointed. I think, like, when I first met Dan, he had listened to the first thing that I had made, and he came to the show, like, really excited, and I just, like... I was like dude i don't even make music <laughs> like i'm just gonna like loop i don't know what so, like, <laughs> and he was just like what the like i was very <laughs> <at the time. laughs> and i haven't seen him in so many years and like you know i was just talking to natalie because she just reconnected with him and Wise Blood, and like i don't know i think they are doing something together and i was like man I, I should call i should text dan like you know but we we have no idea like we're just like Yeah, he's doing big things you know i haven't seen him in so long and i would love to connect with him dude he's the shit yeah and obviously he's a he's an insane film head you know oh yeah Yeah. maybe even
2: bigger than a lot of film heads well
1: okay so one thing i wanted to quickly touch upon which we've talked about but like yeah so like the the way that i really started making music was when i was leaving micah like i had messed around with garage band and stuff a little bit in my life but basically not really and like i was reading chocolate Bobka, the mm-hmm. blog yeah. that was based here but i had no idea where it was based and a bunch of me and my friends in baltimore were really liked that blog and you know all this like experimental drone music and like big troubles like one yeah. tricks that was the first place that i found out about dan's music and i was really inspired by it and i was like I was like i want to like figure out how to make some random sample delic music yeah yeah anything. yeah. so i just made shit for like a couple months and then i made a media fire link because that's how the blogs oh yeah post the stuff. and nice. i followed the nomenclature of like how yeah. they did it so i like named it run dmt dash bong voyage <laughs> oh you're taking me back Yeah. you know like yeah. I, yeah. I made it like in the image of the way that he could very easily post this and the, like <laughs> I kind of gamed him and like sent it to him and he was like what is this can I post it and he did the the blogger and then d- I guess he was like really good friends with Dan and a few people and then people started to like it and shared among other blogs but it was just sort of a one-off thing like in my confused uh, what am I doing at art school thing like yeah I didn't plan on doing music especially didn't plan on like learning how to make songs or anything and uh people liked it and people like dan people that i really look up to and always have like and so i came up to new york and met a bunch of the people and i don't know they gave me a lot of like support and they were like dude like it's cool like you you know we like your music and i was like my music like i was like thinking of it as like an art piece i was like music music (laughs) over the years like i became best friends with mcgregor who was the blogger of that but one of the things that you guys touched on with Crayle is he was one of those people that maybe who knows how big the audience for chocolate bob was but everyone right around it were people that were gonna start bands or already had and like there's a there's waves of influence. Like yeah, I thought, yeah, I think yeah. His blog was really big. And because he was the first person to write about my music, he put me visible to a lot of people. You know, like... Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. I basically wouldn't... I wouldn't have started messing around with music if it wasn't for Dan. And I definitely wouldn't have co- committed to getting to this point in music if it wasn't for McGregor. And then so for the next 10 years, McGregor was like he mostly lived in Greenpoint. He worked at Kickstarter and I would just stay with him. And he always had, he was always putting on shows and he fostered this project. And then, so this whole time I was like, I want to work with you. Like you should, you should manage me. And he was like, I, I don't want to work in the music industry, you know, because <laughs> he's just a really smart, savvy person that actually guides me through everything. Right. And then finally, like, I guess two years ago, now he was like, "All right, let's do it." Like, like, (laughs) let's do, like let me manage you. I'll figure out how to do it. You know, and he's such a good, like, he's just you know, big shouts, basically. But I think you probably know about that blog. Like,
0: yeah, oh yeah,
1: it was it was so good. And but he was one of those people that got pulled into the altered zones, like psy op, where it's like, (laughs) it's like, hey, we're gonna we're pitchfork guys, come on in. Like, we like what you're doing. We're gonna create a little clubhouse for you and then they were like pulled the plugs yeah and, and that was the beginning
0: they of the would end
1: franchise yeah. all of those people from their original audience you guys talked about it with Krell, I think yeah. but that was just the saddest thing for yeah the, for yeah. the music I really think here.
0: that that was the beginning of the end uh, it was all steady it's downhill insane, from there. Yeah. It's insane. but We can't let
2: that happen. Yeah, we What are we going to do? There, let,
1: oh, for the iron pack? We can't let A24 yeah. our- <laughs> <is> like <laughs> <laughs> IFC is like knocking at the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put you through our channel now, guys. Yeah, We yeah. have to show your faces. Yeah no but well, yeah, actually
2: this episode <laughs> is sponsored by the sunday exactly.
1: <laughs> by the doc lab right? that's why i was talking about docs like, yeah, there's exactly. a guy over there telling it's a, me it's to a talk secret
0: psyop it. the whole time yeah. no but that actually is an important point to all the listeners in a you know instagram twitter era of numbers being extremely important um you know a few hundred hyper dedicated uh followers who and, and and catering to them, like actually showing them things that you care about, like yeah. you're talking about with Chocolate Popka mm-hmm. is 10,000 times more valuable than thousands of regular followers yeah. or fans, or whatever. Yeah. it's you 100%. know, and that's how those waves of influence happen. And that's how that's the type of thing that leads to, yeah, like we're not just whenever scoring like a huge Adam Sandler movie, yeah. like that all starts with those little things. Yeah, that's like why they're so important.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the people that you guys talk to are, you know, they're people that they're all types of people, you know, but like you tend to talk to some people that don't just think about art making in this one way or like are are trying to be are trying to build on their like philosophy of of how they interact with media and they have a lot of questions and like, you know, they're very existential like people like. I just like, yeah, it's a good mix of people. And, you know, I think that kids really appreciate it. And I talked to people like, I was like, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. But I, since I realized that I was going to come on this podcast, I'll like be like, I'm going to go on this podcast. Like <laughs> the last couple <laughs> weeks in L.A. and people are like, oh, yeah, I love I Pack. And I'm like, I thought it was this little secret. Yeah. <laughs> but people just really love film. Like that's what we all do behind closed doors. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. You know, what's funny that reminds me of is like, because we were at like my friend's bachelor party last night, you know, mm-hmm. and like he was one of the pillars of the noise scene for me in Baltimore. And like he he basically started the Tribal House. And I remember back in the day, I hadn't started to try to write songs yet. I was still trying to fit in with like the yeah. all the noise people around me that were, were are still like, I think like the they're the gods of music yeah, to me yeah. like the freaks mm-hmm. you know but yeah. um i wasn't i was i couldn't cut it dude i'm like i'm I'm like too like like uh i don't know like i'm 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 kind of like a square you know like i couldn't <laughs> i was like i couldn't i couldn't hang with griffin playing that music like he. he does it amazing yeah or like dog dick or anything you didn't feel I, like a freak enough i didn't know i felt like a freak like psychologically, but maybe not like aesthetically or something. Mm, yeah. But so I didn't know what to do, but I was living there. And I remember being like, just, you know, I was like, man, I just listened to Jackson Brown and I'm not cool. Yeah. But then you realize you, when you're at those shows, like at the bank or something, It'll be like some dude like smashing his head against the ground with like EKG machines. Like, looping it and like frying an egg and like throwing it on Twig's face or something. Yeah. And then like they'll be over and everyone will be like, holy shit, holy shit. And someone will be like, "Uh, uh, go put like The Grateful Dead on or something. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like yeah. there is a place for that music in this scene. You know, yeah. like. And it took me a really long time. I made a lot of bad music. And I feel like at this point, especially the album that I made over the quarantine, like I feel like it's gotten pretty close to something that maybe Duncan Moore would or Chris Shields would throw on to like to like reset the vibe after some like violent like
2: (laughs) performative art (laughs) that we all thought was really scary, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that these kids are still the gods. I know. I know. It's because they're so committed. And it's so fearless.
1: Well, I mean, Chris Shields is committed to this, you know, for any listeners, he's, he's, he was called Marcel du Swamp back in the day. He was a person that always really inspired me that I lived with. But he's just like beyond everyone. Because now it's like he's, he's committed to God knows what. He's a scientist. He's like in Antarctica, like studying like I, I mean, I'm a philistine. I don't even know what my friend is doing. But yeah. he when he was making <laughs> modular synth music, it was like miles ahead. And now he's like, you know... Um, yeah, that's what happens to those people who are... In the science field. like Of yeah. course. like He's mm-hmm. a genius. That's mm-hmm. what
2: happens to those people who are so advanced. Their medium, they almost outgrow their medium. 100%. Like, I was just talking to Theo. Theo's like... Studying woodworking Exactly He's like talking about Like how to build a city And a house and shit You know what I mean He's like already like Beyond film I know He's too advanced For the medium He's like I have to like Build the actual city I know
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just excited That I'm like Not that advanced In my brain Because I'm like I can get to film And be like Yes I'm like work As hard as I can Like in making these Yeah Flicks But like Yeah there are those people Who are just like Intellectually they can't be tied down to like yeah. a medium.
2: I'm the opposite. I'm just like I want to film a. St- now I made a movie and I'm so frustrated by it that I want to film a static shot podcast yeah. that yeah. doesn't need to be edited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just it's Pretty it all obvious what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. So like this is such a like a safe space for me where it's like no, I just want to like make life nice and like yeah, not yeah. So difficult.
1: Wait, so can I explain the documentary that I? Started? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was that was actually I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I want to get back to that. Okay, yeah. So. When I was living in Chinatown, LA, like maybe four years ago, I was living with my friend Joe, who played drums for Mac DeMarco mm-hmm. for many years. And like he became one of my best friends after, through knowing Mac. And we lived together. And Joe was really interested in film. And we would basically just, we would basically just talk all night, watch films and talk about what we wanted to do. And uh, at the time also, he was really interested in like, truther videos and like he he's just really interested in and this is what where we connected on like the psychology of like people who are paranoid and like conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories but we are like you know the guy who made like room 237 i forget his name but i like met him on the street right after i saw that movie and i was like whoa and (laughs) i was like do you, you do you what do you think about these these theories about kubrick and that you're putting in your film and he was like, I have no idea. He's like, I don't think they're correct, really. He's like, I'm just interested in why are people so obsessed in this movie? Yeah, and why it catches and on. so we were talking about it. We were like, if we can find a subject to, that we can really zero in on just like, a, a film that's like about paranoia, you know? yeah. But like, not buying into anything, like being objective and like, so we're like watching all these, <laughs> he's like watching all these like, these like videos about like the twin towers and he's watching videos about like these like crisis actors and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. then like, he's watching it on like my computer cause it's the one set up with the projector. And then like my YouTube just becomes yeah. like all polluted with like this yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, crazy like ephemera of like paranoia. <laughs> and then at one point there's, we see, we see these videos that are like basically about, Gang stalking and targeted individuals. Oh do you know yeah, what that I know is? all about that. Yeah. You do know about this? Yeah. I've I've gone down this paranoia. Yeah, the yeah. So we were going two, down yeah. that road, watching videos of people who were like, just taking their camera down the street, being like, and being like, filming for hours, and being like, when they see a red car, be like, see, there's another one. Like mm-hmm. basically, targeted individuals. For anyone who doesn't understand the concept, is like, what I ended up finding out is it's like a lot of people who have this who have this debilitating paranoia, call it what you will. The Mm -hmm. jury is not up on what causes a lot of these delusional disorders, but they, for so many years, were pushed into invisibility. They're like, you know, if you're that paranoid, like society just funnels you into a corner and then you become agoraphobic because you don't want people, you know, you're paranoid. So like you don't want people to know what you're thinking and you feel like you need to sequester yourself away. So a lot of these people who are struggling and sick like they end up definitely not being able to find a community in each other but then all of a sudden here comes youtube and like so these people basically were sharing these videos like this is the mailman this this is the guy who's beaming the voices into my head he's gang stalking me so they're making videos to prove like evidence videos right so we're watching these videos and we're just like this is a this is really like, this is really tragic. Mm-hmm. Also, we loved, like, uh, psychological thrillers. These are... This this is one big psychological thriller. And it, it relates to the epidemic of, like, how the internet is, like, inter- interacting with, like, mental illness. And, like, mm-hmm. we were just, like, this is really wild and, like, scary. But, yeah. like, we got, like, addicted to watching these videos. But anyways, it wasn't leading to me making a film about anything, right? But then, eventually... I start getting this ad on the bottom that's like are you being uh, are you being targeted psychotronically like are you being electronically harassed are you getting voice to skull like harassment from these gang Whoa. stalkers call 1-888 and it's like this woman with like a smiling and so I'm just like what is this and I look up and I look into this company and it's a company that basically is in New Jersey and it makes these monolithic boxes that are just like vaguely technological looking. And they're just like, this is the Defender, like plug this in in your house. And when these actors are shooting these voices in your head, as long as this box is around you at all times, bring it with you on the go. The Defender Junior, have the (laughs) Defender like mega in your living room, have one in your bedroom. All of these boxes are like $1,000 or like up to like $3,000. and they have all this literature for like technologically what it's doing with these scalar waves. It's just so vague. I'm yeah. like, what is this? So I start calling this company and I'm just like, at the beginning, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I want to get a defender and like asking about it. And then eventually I start talking, I call this woman like a number of times who is the person. Yeah. And I start to find out that she just got this job on Craigslist, she has no idea really what's going on with this company like she's well, just like the customer service right, rep of uh, basically a shadow company that's like manipulating like people like basically potentially delivering good placebos to people yeah. who are paranoid but definitely extremely shady yeah. yeah and so i am like i become pretty chummy with amy i'm like amy i'm making a film about gang stalking and harassment Um, it's objective, but we do have some things going on in the film. And I think it's going to be pretty explosive. Like I hadn't started anything, you know, but (laughs) I'm just like basically trying to like, let her know, like you guys want to be in this film. Like you want you, we we want, you want your company to be in this documentary. And she was basically like, let me talk to my boss. I'll call you. And she like emailed me. She's like, he said like, no way. Like I started to get the idea that this dude is like really paranoid himself so then me and Joe we kind of stay on it but we're kind of like losing the plot you know (laughs) like communicating with her and then one day out of the blue she like called me and she was like he agreed he said you have to be here in like 24 hours New Jersey (laughs) and I'm like in LA like literally just finished that the end of comedy like I have like no money at the time I'm like I spend all my money and Joe's on tour with Mac he's not even home so I spent all my money just like flying like that day to New York with no plan, no camera, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are you gonna do?" You know, like I want to like interview these people, like you know, yeah. I want to make documentaries, but I've spent my whole life not being ready to do it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So then, like, I randomly, my friend was working with for this this guy who does like documentary producing mm-hmm. for like spot stuff for like HBO or different things. He like is like a day producer. And he was like, he heard that I was here and I wanted to do this. And he was like, you should talk to this guy. And I went over, pitched this thing. He got like a small crew of people together and like basically worked with me in order to come do this thing. And like I spent all my money, rented this SUV and we went down there. And basically the whole operation was... Like it was like being inside of a schizophrenic person's brain, and like this is where I started to realize that I couldn't make this film because all of the footage that we got, the interviews, we we have her showing the products and explaining everything, but like the footage that I got is so distressing to like actually be there and and feel that like there's a lot of money being passed through this place, and like there's a lot of people that are really sick, like. She's explaining that, like, off camera, she's explaining that, like, a lot of people's parents call, and they're like, why did you let my son or my, like, father spend all of his disability money because he's schizophrenic on these fucking boxes, like, and you don't offer refunds. Like, there was so much stuff going on, and the interviews were so just chilling. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually entering into a world that i don't think i can step into at this point in my life like mm. at the same time people it's like i have to finish this album i'm almost done and then i'm like am i really going to step into this world like am i going to throw away this yeah. two years of music i just made like and then i started we, we did these interviews they're insane and then i came back to LA and amy gave me the number of a bunch of people that used the boxes in LA who think they're being stalked. And I started communicating with a few of them because I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow them around and I'm going to talk to them about what they really think is happening and their experience yeah. basically being paranoid during this anxiety epidemic, you mm-hmm. know? But I started talking to these people and obviously immediately they started to think I was stalking them. Right, so well. it, it was like, part of me was like, some people were like, dude, just do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, People like Mac. They were like, they were like, you know, this is a crazy story. And if anyone's gonna get wrapped up in like a schizophrenic underground subculture, you should do it now. But like, I realized that like making a film that deals with, I want to make nonfiction, but you really have to have a handle on like, you that subject is just impossible to tackle because yeah. the thing about schizophrenia is that nobody really knows exactly what it is. It's a delusional disorder that has no physical way to be tracked in the brain. Like, it doesn't show up physically on someone's brain. The only treatment for it is kind of, to what I understand, is kind of like a a, a dulling of like certain yeah. set areas of the brain so that, you know, it's just trying to, like, counteract, like, something that has always been a mystery, really. And I realized that the film was heading towards being like a crazy, like big arc noir about like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening in the human brain uh, to a lot of these people? And then it led me down to like finding out from Stu, who runs East Records in Baltimore, who also was a, has worked at Hopkins, that there's a guy at Hopkins who's trying to find a parasite similar to the cat parasite, um, uh, toxoplasmosis, that he thinks we just haven't found yet. And that people who are schizophrenic are being controlled by like a micro parasite that hasn't been discovered yet. And I just realized that the the film would take like 20 years to make and somebody like Adam Curtis needs to make it or something, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but it was a Andy should make yeah, it. And yeah. you know, whatever, like <laughs> Andy, I got, th- I got some, <laughs> I got a lot of good footage about this company. Talk to me. <laughs> but like, it was a good experience being like, I do want to make documentaries. And like, yeah. it's a, uh, rabbit hole if yeah. you have a good subject like and you want to follow a story the way that like errol morris does you know like yeah if you want to be an investigator like it could take your whole life but you mm-hmm. have to be committed you know it's yeah and at, at climb, the time right? i had a lot of stuff going on with my music project and i i i got swallowed up by it you know yeah. but it, it was it was but that was the experience i said where afterwards i like completely broke down cathartically i was just like it felt like i was like finding out my sexuality i was like oh my god yeah right <laughs> filmmaking is real like, yeah, yeah, yeah it just means so much to me like you know but that is the plan there's like i'm working on another non-fiction movie now that i won't talk about but it's like yeah. it's finishable <laughs> you yeah. know but, but that's did a lot one of, of the
2: work for the for this one. What? You did a lot of leg work for this one. There's Yeah. You kind of already started And now
1: stuff. I'm being gang stalked and I'm yeah. <laughs>
2: No, that sounds incredible. But yeah, it is sort of like you once you start seeing how deep the rabbit hole goes, you realize that you have to climb up some sort of mountain exactly. to actually tackle it in a in a way that isn't just like some Netflix yeah, talk yeah. of the week. Right, right. When I see Theo's movies, I'm like, dude, how lost did you get
1: making this one? Yeah, like,
2: you yeah. know, but he I gets think five, six years lost. Yeah, maybe you kind of have to. And
1: it's really cool the way his films feel like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you, uh, maybe you are working on something about this. So I'll beep it out if you don't want to talk about it. But, well, I know you got plenty of stories, but I know you have a lot of experience on trains. Oh yeah. Um, there's something there.
1: Well, yeah, that's so like, um, when I left Micah before. I'd started making music but before I really started to come up here and stay with McGregor I spent like about a year and a half on and off like hopping freight trains because not because I wanted to be in that <laughs> subculture but because I was following a girl that I loved and like a lot another one of our good friends wanted to go and like somebody came to town who was riding trains and we all kind of just like needed to disengage from being at that age mm-hmm. not knowing where, where you wanted no. to go with your art and I ended up getting totally sucked into that world and like I ended up branching off from them and like whatever just riding trains for a while and being you know getting in the, the ditches trying to work off a little like privilege as an artist and like getting lost you know and like kind of like just getting hungry again and not being able to think about what do, you, what do I want to do with my art? And, like, trains were just an incredible means of um, just getting to a baseline of, like, my own humanity, you know? Because Girl. you're alone or you're with one friend for weeks at a time in these, like, in-between towns where, like, nothing is going on. And it takes you away from, you know, the rigmarole of, like, being in a scene. And, yeah. you know, it just was very it, it was very good for me. If I didn't do that, I don't think I would be doing any of the things that I'm doing now. But in terms of funny stories, um, there's one really crazy story that I haven't really told, but like, uh, so like now when I ride trains, I just rode a train like a month ago, I think, or something like that. But I just do it like in a totally like fun, like vain way where I like, I used to actually not have zero dollars and like just be, I was just camping, you know? Yeah. When I was like, whatever 20 when i was doing this but now i like fly places just because it's the best place to ride a train and then mm-hmm. i'll like ride a train and then like fly home like yeah, it's like right, right, so right. bougie it's insane but uh <laughs> now it's like that and it's really fun but um when i wanted to teach some people how to ride trains like yeah. basically just do one of these trips like back in the day i took um some people that i a couple of people that I work with, Sasha's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I we went up to Portland, we hitchhiked and we were going to come down on these on this train cuz I knew from uh right below Portland in like Salem yeah. right where to get on this train. So um we go to Portland, we play some music, we borrow some instruments and then play this little show and then we go to the train yard and um when you're waiting for trains, there's like definitely some rules you have to look out for but you you're waiting for trains to come hiding basically off of the just out of view of like a the train the rail cops or the people working and you're waiting for these trains to come through and stop so that they can be changed rearranged or the conductor of this train can get off and go start going conducting another train so they come home at the end of the night, and it's called a crew change so that's like when the kids like us are waiting in the bushes but in this case i hadn't ridden trains in so long like i'd become a musician and i was like i'm gonna take you guys like i'm gonna show you and i was like really rusty i was like is this the right spot like you know like i know i've been here before and uh the trains were just not coming and we like spent a whole day they were like (laughs) they were like what did you do like nothing's happening like we have lives and i'm like wait wait no like stay in the romantic mindset and finally a train came through but all of the box cars were were closed and uh when box cars are open that means they're empty and the people are just waiting waiting to fill them so that's those are train cars that you can go in but there's like unwritten rule or i guess it's written in like in this subculture where if one is closed you don't open it you can open them but it's like it becomes like a felony or something and also if you open one of these things and you don't properly like um like secure it open with like a with like a metal spike or something it can when the train stops it can slide back and shut and then people die that way so There's just this thing where it's like, if the train, the boxcars are closed, just wait. You're not getting on this train. But I was so uh, nervous that like my friends were like getting so impatient and they were just going to like leave, like fly back. I was like, it's okay, We can open this. And so we opened this boxcar in the middle of the night in Oregon. And then my friend Sal that we were with, he was like, I have a really, really good camping rope that's strong. So he like tied the door to it. And the, we got in this boxcar basically and they were like excited and it was in the middle of the night so everyone went to bed. The whole night I was watching the door. It was just like this little thin camping rope. He was like, no, it's good. It's, it's from REI. The door was just like pounding like this and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill. My, I'm going to be responsible for these beautiful <laughs> yeah. artists' deaths. Like, and then we're like going down uh, from Oregon down towards the bay. I think it stops right before it gets to the bay. But whenever it goes by Mount Shasta, I'm always get really excited because I love Mount Shasta. I don't know if you know about that place, no, but no. it's just rife with a lot of like conspiracy stuff. Like, there's like a government base. It's like a hollow, like volcanic right. place. They're like, there's a government base in there, and oh, I, we always yeah. like think it's funny. So, as in the morning, <laughs> Sasha wakes me up, and he's like been up all night. He's like really excited to be on a train for the first time, and he's drinking some like coffee, like like instant coffee. He's like, Mike, Mike, we're going by Mount Shasta. So I wake up and we're like, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this part of the ride. And there is like this tunnel that it goes the train goes through. The trains go through the sides of the mountains for like it for like two minutes a lot of the time. And we're waiting, we're about to get to like the foot of the mountain and we go through this tunnel and it doesn't come out the way that it usually does. And the train kind of slows down in the dark and, like, goes left. I, no one is going to ever believe this story, but it's true, and I can back it up with a few witnesses. It goes, like, left, and it starts... It stops... It's supposed to go south, but it goes, like, inland. And then it comes out a different egg exit just in going into, like, the Mount Shasta, like, wilderness. And immediately when it comes out, there's huge fences, like, huge like electrical, it looked like Jurassic Park or something. I was like, I know that there's nothing here. I know that Mount Shasta is barren wilderness. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And I swear on my life, we're like watching the fences. And then like, right before they saw us, there's like two like Aryan looking military people with oh. guns just scanning each train car as it's slowing down. So we both like fall out of the view of this little yeah. opening that we made in this boxcar. But it's, the, the I realized at this point, this is probably actually, there probably is a military installation here. This train is probably a decoy. Like there's probably a few um, of these boxcar containers that are filled with supplies. I, I have no idea. But I knew that we were at some military installation that was unmarked in the woods. I also knew that we opened up one of these doors that every all of them are supposed to be shut. And they're and you see a am like there. dude, yeah. we are fucking dead. So when the train like slows down, like, I don't know, like a quarter of a mile up, it was, yeah. it was like a long string of cars. I was like, everybody wake up, like grab your IDs, leave your backpacks like we need to run through the woods like we're we're going to be detained and I'm really scared. And we all are so scared that we just can't do it. Like, we can't make a run for it. And then I hear, we all hear just, like, vibrations. Like, they're unloading something, luckily, at the very other end of the train. And we wait there for, like, an hour, like, fucking pissing our pants. Like... And they were just like, why did you Why did you bring us here? And I was like, this is not what happens usually. Like, <laughs> it's usually Huck Finn, you know? But yeah. I was like, oh, no. Like, actually, like, Whoa. we went too deep into the, like, matrix of, like, yeah. hiding in plain sight, you know? But, like, uh, luckily, somehow the train backed up the other way after, like, an hour and went back through the tunnel. And then it continued on to San Francisco. And there's people. I'm a as you can probably tell from the story, I'm like a fair weather train person. Like yeah. real train people are like, dude, fuck this dude. He's an oogle. Right. true. I am <laughs> I'm not a real, I'm not a real train kid. But like, I asked some people that are in the know about that. And they were like, they have heard of that happening to a few people over the years. And they basically say that it was just what I thought. There's like every once in a while, it, it's not an actual union pacific which is the train company conductor like maybe like a couple times a month like there's like a military train conductor that will be like drive some you know just drive a few loaded containers of stuff for this military installation look it up if anyone's curious look it up mount shasta but i do think that no one should believe that story but if you do dm (laughs) sasha desiree and ask him we were we both saw the kids and it was really fucking scary And yeah, this is like some Area 51 shit. We're just like, it's usually so fun riding trains. Like sometimes you get caught and you're, they're like, you're trespassing. We're giving you a ticket. And you're like, it's so much more mellow than people say. It's, I just really like, the thing I like about it is like, I have, I struggle with like control. Like, you know, like I produce music with like eight people around me making it. Like I'm a control freak. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And like being on a train is, like, you have no choices. Like, you're... Once the train starts, it's, like, you might be going the wrong way, but you're just... Now you're going there, you know? Like, there's no way to stop a train. Like, there's something about... It's the magnificent, like, forward momentum of it that makes me feel like I can actually reflect on where I'm at in my life. Because I'm always trying to figure out how to find forward, forward momentum in my life. And, you know, and then the other thing is just that the industry's so old. It's just a really interesting way to learn about America. Like yeah, yeah. Like there are places that the freight train system goes that the Amtrak system does not go and highways don't go. So there's places that I've seen in like Montana that, you know, I don't think I could have ever seen mm. unless I was a conductor, you know, but yeah. there's just these untouched parts of America that the rail system still goes. And I just can't believe it's still going.
0: Yeah. Like
1: How is it's such a dinosaur of like a mode of transport. Like it's amazing. You know, Chris Shields was, was a train rider. right? Yeah. Chris has ridden trains for sure. Yeah. He didn't get as deep into it as, as me or my friend Dylan did over the years, but yeah, it's really, I mean, I'll take you guys. Yeah, he I he can do like know, an yeah, eye on, like episode like a like a zoom <laughs> episode. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: yeah. beautiful. No, it sounds yeah, just the metaphor of it. Yeah, the experience. It's good. It sounds beautiful.
3: Yeah.
0: Chris told me there's like a maybe I'm not supposed to say this. So, but there's like a a some secret book. Oh, the crew change. Down. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I'll talk about it.
1: Whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a guy that basically is has been written over the years by people who have rid have ridden trains. I mean, like people who are in that life, like a lot of them were people that worked on the trains. So they have access to like rail maps and all the information about the train. So when they transfer, however they do, into becoming just a train enthusiast, or maybe they still work there, that happens a lot too. And they love riding trains whenever they are not working. Right. They're just heads, basically. So they yeah. make this zine that everyone kind of, a bunch of people in that world, like, update every year about, like, it's basically like if you want to go from this place, if you want to leave this city and you want to go northbound, take the number 32 bus to this, like, warehouse, walk point three miles to the left of it. There's a hole in the fence. Go here. It basically just tells you exactly where to wait if you want to go northbound. And then when a train rolls up on the second track coming to the right, you know that's going to be going through all these different checkpoints and places where you can get off. So like there's, there's a guide that will, you know, literally show you how to traverse the world in in this shadowy way, but it's very organized. And I mean, Mm -hmm. the people are so dedicated and they're, they're literally insiders. So like they know better than anyone where these trains are going and how they're being updated, their schedules and stuff. And, but it's not, something that's on the internet yeah and like you have to get it from another person who's doing it and i that people definitely don't talk about it on podcast <laughs> yeah that's why <laughs> people I was get well... like shot over that yeah you know? <laughs> or, like, no. or like or like or shivved
2: oh are you gonna get shamed for it now
1: no i have no respect
2: in the world <laughs> yeah. but how long do you go cool. for like do you bring shit like what's the deal well
1: now i go for like eight hours like yeah. I, <laughs> bring, I, bring, I bring like some like Casamigos and like a book, you know. But like, the last time I went on a long trip was like, it was with my friend that we were with last night. It was I think four summers ago. I lived in New York for the summer, and then I think it was four, three, three, four summers ago. Whatever. We were all a lot of our friends were grieving from the Go Ship Fire. Yeah. Go okay. Ship Fire, where we yeah. lost, I lost one of my best friends in that, who. Big shouts, Joey Cassio up Big there. But um, I was like trying to live in New York and I was just like confused. And then I was like, it's time to move back, go back to Los Angeles. But I canceled my flight and I was like, I want to ride trains. I haven't done it in so long. So I convinced my friend Dylan, which is the trip that made us as close as we are now, to go with me because we both had ridden trains in the past. And yeah, we just left from Baltimore, connected got off in illinois went went all the way into chicago and then from chicago got on and went to seattle all of those connections take like time to like figure out how to get onto the next train and you have to sleep in these random towns but that whole trip we got from baltimore to the west coast got off in seattle in like seven or eight days which is really fast most of the time people are like I think I'm in the wrong place. And they get stuck places for days. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to go across the country, you can do it in, like, a week. And you're just fully just charging your phone when you can. Like, when you go get more water between the stops. Like, totally getting side-eyed by these people in random towns like Fostoria, Ohio. Like, (laughs) hitchhiking, like, five miles just to get to this other train yard. Like, it's just really beautiful. You know, like, it's Mm -hmm. really nice to... And just, it's really nice to get in touch with, like, people say middle America, but I mean, like, these, like, literal, like, in-between towns where it's, like, yeah. this town is only here because trains stop here. Yeah. That's, right. like, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. reason that it exists. And then there's a lot of just people living there in the fray that will be, like, oh, you guys riding through and, like, people will help help you out or try to and, like, yeah. help you get where you're going. And yeah. it's just really cool, you know, like, yeah. coming from an art scene where it's not like that yeah right <laughs> nobody's trying to help you get help you get yeah,
0: where you're exactly. going yeah
1: you 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 get a lot of like faith back about like right people and just your yeah your that's path in your life that's what i've
0: heard about it is yeah there's these just towns all across um the country where it's kind of a normal thing that everybody knows about because could oh, yeah. and, be and there's copy shops around everywhere that fully know about it because people get off and they go to copy shops to make a copy of the, of the crew. Of, yeah. yeah. And then mail it from there. Cause there's usually like a UPS dude. It's thing. like,
1: I mean, you know, in new Orleans, that culture is, is huge. Yeah, the yeah. 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 Like, right, there's, right, like, right, right. there's a catch out spot, which is where you wait for the trains where you catch out. And then there's like, I think there's like a bar called like the catch out and it's like <laughs> yeah. right behind it. And yeah. you can like be like cl- drinking a beer and then like, the wh- the whistle will come, and everyone will be like the bartenders will be like ring a bell, and then someone will be like close my tab, close my tab. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a huge subculture. I just am very on the outskirts of it. Like yeah. I literally, I'm glad that I know how to do it to literally to, like take people like yeah, you guys. If you ever wanted to try it, just I want to do while it. Yeah. that exists, it's like you know, it's
2: it won't it's, exist. At
1: some it's point. something to to experience. I think just like yeah. and yeah. also just hiding from people. Dude, like, life has gotten so bleak. Like, it's just nice to just hide, hide from some people sometimes yeah. and
2: run away from some people, yeah. you know? It's so romantic. It is, it is.
1: I just rode a train from Baltimore to Richmond, which, which was, like, really short. Yeah, It's, like, six hours or something. But I was going down to do a songwriting thing that was part of my publishing deal where I was going to meet this, this girl, Kate Bollinger, who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine, and I wrote the song with her. Um, but I was just going down there to, to, to do that. So I used the opportunity to ride a train and it was so beautiful and amazing, but the security has gotten a little tighter, and as we were leaving in Baltimore, this the train started to pull off, pull out, which is a good feeling. You're like, okay, I'm actually gonna be going somewhere today. And this huge like drone flew like right over me for a second, and then oh, as oh. it was leaving Baltimore <laughs> And I was like, "Uh uh-oh,
3: like, I guess
1: security's gotten tighter in the last eight years. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, and then it's funny because then you roll through Micah. So whenever you catch out of Baltimore, you, like, roll through the art school that you, like, dropped out of. (laughs) And then when I got to Richmond, I, like, was getting off the train. And I guess that's how it works. Like, the drone saw me and they're like, yep, just wait for him. Just go through all the cars in Richmond. We're not going to stop the train right now. So there was, like, some rail cops like waiting for me to like look for me. And uh they had to like go looking at down the train at all the cars. And like when they were turned away, I had to like jump off with my bag and like hide behind some like generator box. Oh, and you, like I had to cat and up. mouse with yeah. them for like thirty minutes before realizing that it was like there was no way out without walking straight out of the front. And I was basically gave myself up or like let them come around and see me and i was like hey <laughs> and like and they were like hey what's up you're gonna get a ticket you're gonna come over here i was like for sure for sure how are you guys doing <laughs> but like it was fun you, you know? know like you. i was like i feel alive which is the most privileged ass shit to say but like the, the thing is is like they know it's a relationship that those right, real right, right. people have with the kids that are riding like you know like people are like do you ever, do you ever get the shit beat out of you? I'm like, no. <laughs> Literally, the pe- just like I don't know, just culturally, like they'll were, just were they'll alone? make fun of me, but yeah. What were you, were you alone? I was alone on that trip. Yeah. And how big's the ticket? That ticket was like 120 bucks. Oh, I was like, are you yeah. serious? The like Amtrak ticket, ticket would have yeah. been more than this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was worth the ticket. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. And then to be able to, like, I never have done this in the past, but I always wanted to. But then be able to be like you know go into a studio be like hey nice to meet you i'm mike like let's do some work it yeah. felt so sick to be yeah. like almost arrested <laughs> and then like let's roll to this place and try to write us like yeah, love song yeah 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 <laughs> it was yeah. it was a good
2: it was a good situation when you're in the box car is it just like flat grunt? like do you, are you I like that wasn't or?
1: mostly i don't ride box cars but in a box car it's just empty it's just like cold yeah. empty but The trains that I like to ride, because boxcars go really slow. They're called general manifest, and Mm -hmm. they, they, they can get broken up at any time, so they stop all the time and for hours. But then the ones that I like to ride are are called intermodal. So those are like containers filled with like UPS packages or like Tropicana juice, um, (laughs) you know. Things that need, like Amazon stuff, like yeah, which yeah, is yeah. sad to say now, this is what the trains are filled with. Yeah, but yeah. like stuff that needs to move, you know, yeah. that has like one to two business day guaranteed shipping. And so those trains move and they go far. So um, those ones, you don't really go inside of any container. They're filled and locked. But where they connect, there are these little areas, these little sunken porches. Yeah. They're there as like a safety precaution for if a worker was... I don't know, like ma- doing maintenance. And then his radio went out and the train started. It's a safe place that he could lay. But it's outside. It's outside. So you're like at, fully like, in the outside. elements. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it feels good. Yeah. Damn. And at night, Have you ever done it in the rain. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, that's awesome. I've gotten no so soaked. But yeah. at night, like in the midnight moon, when you're with like one other person and the train just going across like, you know, like heartland yeah like fields and stuff like it seriously does not get more fire than that yeah <laughs> i swear to god that's yeah insane that's heat. insane here. That yeah. like just the isolation so, yeah. of that and like sharing a moment like a wordless moment with someone that you really care about just being like this is nuts out here like it's so beautiful there's no one around like yeah you know we're like playing a video game that's yeah. really awesome yeah, yeah. Wow. very cinematic damn and Has this broken
2: in, broken into the mainstream? Like, is there a movie that like depicts this? There's shit? so many like
1: r- documentaries about train riding. Okay. There's a movie called Bozo Texino, like, but you know, it's a niche culture. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it, have you seen anything that about it that you liked or thought was like done well? And about it? Yeah. No, I haven't
1: seen anything about it. Yeah. Also, I have oh. never read On the Road. That's like people always ask <laughs> yeah. me that. I'm like, never read it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I think it gets a uh, unfair slack i think on the road is i'm
1: deep. sure it's good i just yeah. for, you know it just yeah. wasn't
2: one of the ones yeah you know yeah yeah I mean, um a documentary that was literally like documenting that experience would probably be
3: fire
1: yeah
0: like more about the cut this part out this oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah let's go yeah that's <laughs> oh, I see. I what i was trying to avoid <laughs> no um, I
2: see. yeah that, we're at an hour. i made a
0: time code so in yeah, case you want to cut it out 40. um yeah.
1: i think this has been good. I think I'm good. Yeah. No.
0: Oh, I I got plenty more. Not no, we, plenty we more. We can keep going. Yeah. Well, I just I, just, what I our just
1: flight is. I think we're good.
0: I was just going to say the last story is. Uh, I know. Yeah, we're good. I know that after you, uh, rode that that train you're talking about, you came back with a to a new animal friend. Correct. What? After that train riding experience, you adopted a new. Friend. Oh
1: yeah yeah yeah. I mean, everybody, yeah, my music career is totally eclipsed now by this pet that I got.
3: Yeah, who I'm I bad. like and yeah. his insane heat.
1: There was this, uh, so Sasha, who sings with me, big shouts, best singer ever. Big shouts. Um, his girlfriend grew up in this family, Zorthian. There's like this ranch at the top of Altadena in LA. It's kind of like this sick, amazing property that their grandfather sequestered back in the day and he's just he was a sculptor and they live up in this place the pandemic was pretty like idyllic i think for her and her family and mm-hmm. their boyfriends and girlfriends but like um they had this pig for a long time uh hilde and Hildy was just one of these pigs that people get they think they're gonna get a mini pig and then they find out that doesn't exist and the pig gets big and then they try to give them to some people like my friend Tara and her family with land. So they just had this pig that was just chilling, this big old pig. And then at some point during the pandemic, Hildy just disappeared, like walked down the hill. And then Hildy came back like a day later or something and was pregnant. So somehow Hildy went out and like used Tinder, big <laughs> yeah. Tinder in LA <laughs> and got fucked and then came back up the hill and then had this litter and like, they're just like, fuck, we did not want a huge litter of pigs. Like it's not... It's not like a men- it's not a meat production farm. Like they're just, yeah. you know, they're just living, you know? Right. So right before I went on this trip, I saw they had just gotten born. And I saw that I was they were just amazing. I was like, when I get back from this trip, I'm gonna get one. And everyone's like, No, you're not, no, you're not. But they were like, Please do, we need to get rid of these piglets. <laughs> and then uh when I got back from the trip, I was like, Let's go. And so me and McGregor drove over in his car and we like Went and looked at the pigs and there was like all these pink ones that were like growing and there was one that was like black and white spotting that was so tiny like it was like a super runt. And it didn't seem like from what they were saying that it there was a big chance that it wouldn't survive because, right. you know, that's the pecking order thing yeah. with pigs and yeah. there's only a certain amount of <laughs> milk to go. Right. And so uh, I just like snatched that pig up and brought so. it home with no plan. Like, holding it, like, McGregor's driving in the highway. He's like, what the hell are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, I'll figure it out. But her name's Joni, and now she's, like, oh, basically just, like, my dog or cat, basically. That's so amazing. Yeah. Pigs are fire. but yeah. Oh, they are. And, like, we've been having some... I mean, we've been on a little bit of a bender this month, and we've had a couple parties. And they're kind of, like, I don't know what they're for, but I think they're kind of for people... Everyone just wants to, like see the pig you know (laughs) and she has like a little room like off of like my kitchen and so people can like interact with her you know kind of and be at a party and it's been really cute yeah
0: she's super friendly she's a a a pig that loves people
1: yeah she's i mean yeah she's a narcissist
2: (laughs) (laughs) pork is actually the one type of meat that i i actually do have like a moral problem i mean i still eat it but like it's the one thing i feel actively bad about
1: Dude, I shouldn't even say this, but
2: I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna eat pork anymore." I guess it's like, "No,
1: nice try." (laughs) But I'm like, Joni, you're different." Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not gonna eat. Would never eat you, Joanie. She's vegan,
2: basically. She just eats like vegetable scraps. I grew up with like my mom having like pig memorabilia toys images mugs with pigs I'm like she was so obsessed with pigs i've been so obsessed just with the personality and the intelligence dude the you should
1: get like out something. to la and hang out with her before she gets big I then would love yeah because yeah. the size a- she's at now is like ideal i'd ride a train there <laughs> yeah yeah the dude there you go new movie yeah, yeah. unplug that hard drive yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm excited to see your film thank yeah. you
0: thank um
2: I'm excited to see verse. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll we'll make it if you want to do it out here.
1: I'm like basically did this podcast so to be like I'm gonna make a film this year, and then we, we'll come back and yeah. talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
2: Yourself up so that you actually
3: do it. I have to do things like <laughs> no, that, that that's all the time. A, yeah,
1: that exactly. That is 100 percent what I have to do.
0: Yeah. I do stuff like that all the time. I tell people that I'm further along with
1: something than I am because that of means course, I have to yeah. get there yeah. so I can. Show do up you know how them. many times I've been like lit at like a backyard party and been like. I'm making this film right now it's about this <laughs> i'm just like okay let's think of a new film idea you're drunk like you know like
0: i'm
2: a psycho yeah. yeah if you need help making it, it yeah sense. Sense. oh
1: yeah. for sure i really want sean to shoot Price something Williams. yeah Big we've
2: talked about Heard stuff before
1: yeah. but you know he's getting priced out all yeah. of the good people are like
2: you know you could book him in like three years. Yeah, <laughs> like wait for the downslope. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. For sure. <laughs> he's he's busy. No, it's it sounds. Really
1: his cool. stuff looks so like Scorsese esque, like the movement that he, the way he uses a steady. Cam.
2: He uses a steady cam. Yeah, he's pretty handheld. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, but
1: just yeah, it's it's so good the way he moves his camera. He's movement. a very
2: lyrical touch. Um, to
1: the handheld movement. Oh, I also wanted to shout out for people that are like listening to this pod and they're like i really want to watch a documentary with my boo tonight in the the sadness of our quarantine uh my um my bass player shags chamberlain big shouts from australia he's a legend but he turns he's turned me on to so many good documentaries and like there is a documentary called it's called cane toads have you heard about this no it's a movie that this guy from Australia, New Zealand made because do you know about cane toads were like this invasive species that came to down under uh-huh. and like totally took over. and like was were such a nuisance that like there were like national holidays where it's like everyone go out and do your part and bash these toads. Like oh people God. couldn't walk through certain seasons like they took over the continent basically. Oh my God. And so I've heard about this, this guy wanted to make a nature documentary, but he was like, there's such a nuisance that he was like, wanted to make it in the image of like an alien invasion. <laughs> and so he made this film that shags grew up loving. And most people in America haven't seen it, but it's called cane toads. Sick. And the funny thing about it is we were screening it a couple years ago when he first showed me at my house and one of our friends came over who is, like, you might know about her. She's, like, the best whistler in the world, Molly Lewis. Okay. She's, like, a, she's a great composer, and she's, like, Ennio Morricone, Alessandro Alessandroni level whistler. She's, Same. like, maybe best in the world or something Whoa, at this nice. point. But she's in the scene, and she, like, makes the steesiest like, film, like, music exotica. She's yeah. just yeah. got signed to, I don't want to say the wrong label, but She's her music's coming out now, uh, Molly Lewis. And like she came over and we were like, oh, we're watching this movie. It, it, it's almost over. Like, you know, sit down. And then when the movie was over, she was just like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you guys were watching my dad's film. Whoa. And like her dad is like this legendary documentary filmmaker. He came here and made a documentary in the same style on Rats in New York with the same like monster movie it's like he tried to make it in like it almost like a carpenter film but it's like almost it's right. like a carpenter planet earth it's so funny dude cane toads
2: yeah i don't know uh it's good for fans of rat film oh right. yeah you could watch cane toads and just the rat yeah you could can watch cane
1: toads and rat film and do like a, <laughs> yeah,
0: a yeah zoom double yeah, feature yeah, with yeah. all yeah. Your, your
1: film club yeah dude i got booted out of the film club oh i
0: i never i never joined the film club because i knew that that would eventually happen. i know yeah i know what did you do
1: i didn't do anything I yeah didn't. that seems i know i, think I you're know supposed like, to join the film club and say like your top 10 or something yeah and i was just like i was like i always can't think about my top 10 yeah yeah, yeah. like i think about i've watched so many movies and i think about filmmaking so much that my mind is like erased when it comes to like what yeah. i want to tell people about you know the movie
2: club I believe in is called the pack Discord. True. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll movies.
0: do film club there lots instead. Damn,
1: yeah. dude! I wish my Instagram didn't just get hacked and deleted again. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I could get on. Hopefully, the... it's
2: recovered by. The,
1: oh yes. So, the yeah. Label. We we can post
3: about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Make sure it's a picture of Joni like riding a train. Or yeah. <laughs> oh
3: yeah. Can you, can you send us some like train or? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. picture. For sure.
1: For sure.
0: Wait, but before we sign off, we uh we had said that we have to tell. Our origin story, our connection. Oh yeah, yeah. Last thing, go. Yeah, lay it down. It's hilarious. So, you don't know about this?
3: No. Oh shit. Yeah.
0: So, um Sasha, who we've just talked about, big shouts. Uh I knew this was a long time ago. This was like early twenty ten, so almost ten years ago. Um, I had an S P four oh four, which is a sampler. It was the first it was actually sentimental to me because as I told you, it was the first piece of musical gear besides a guitar that I ever got. It was yeah. like I wanted to learn how to record and like make loops and shit Sequence when I was. Things, there. Yeah. So I I begged for it. My mom got it for me for Christmas when I was like 15 years old. First piece of gear I ever had. First time I ever recorded was on this thing, and I still had it with me, you know, in New York. And but I never used it. And then I saw Sasha on Facebook back in the days of Facebook. It's like we really need an SP44 for a show. And this was when he was doing.
3: Me um, and him were doing Silk Roads. Yeah, the the, the
0: Silk Roads. Mike's old band. Yeah, so I went and gave you guys. I didn't meet you, but I just went and gave Sasha uh, the SP404. And then since I never used it, I kind of forgot about it. And then like months later, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, I got to get that back from Sasha. But then I saw that Sasha had moved to LA, and <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It just kind of disappeared. I think I like messaged him about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I gotta like figure out who has it. Like, I'll get it back to you." And then we just never followed up, and. Classic. you know it kind of just I, I was just like you know what it's out doing something you know i i, I didn't care that it was sentimental to me i was like i i, I was never using it so it's out doing something with someone i'm happy that it's recycled but, itself into the scene but
1: the funny thing is that what happened to it for however it happened is like our really good friend samantha urbani big shouts, shouts. Yeah. yeah uh she was working at this guy's music studio the guy who wrote the guy from Junior Senior who wrote that song, wow. you know, yeah, whatever. Everybody move yeah. your feet until you're yeah, yeah, yeah. like that stuff. <laughs> this dude, Yepa, and then like somehow it it ended up at his studio. And she's been like in New York for most of the pandemic. And we've since me we've met. I was like, we need to get this thing back. Yeah, <laughs> you fuck, you done fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was when the, the two of
0: us met. It was like, the first thing. I was like, right. we actually do have a connection. And then
1: Samantha <laughs> randomly just got back to LA and then we were telling her about this or something when we saw her out the other night and she went over to that guy's house and she saw it and she snatched it back. So it's somewhere (laughs) else now, but like it's it's got your name on it. Yeah. But the only problem with this is when we do give it back to you, it doesn't mean that you're actually going to do something with it. No, I, probably that's even so yeah, less. True. If yeah.
0: someone's doing something with it, I want them to I don't to think I anyone was. Just, I, I don't think
1: just... that machine is going to get any use. Yeah, that's no. right. Um, Maybe we could <laughs> teach it how to edit like on Final Cut Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> but I'm happy to know that, you know, I thought like, oh, that thing probably just got left at a tour stop somewhere. Yeah. and it'll There should just, be like a be national gone.
2: holiday where people return... Gear. gear to each other yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah i sure. should return the ax60 to dan mono tricks oh true but what I, is that he uh hidden the kai ax60 like super old synth before i had actually met him i bought a synth from him off twitter when i was in college and I recently told him about this. He was like, oh, you were that fucker? But- We still have it. Does he want I, it? I've, I've, I have never used it. It is now in your studio, and it's yeah. been used in... by multiple other people. Oh, I have okay, the same good. relationship where I'm like, I hope somebody's-
3: Yeah, exactly. Making yeah.
2: use of it I've somewhere. had so many things like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's
0: just cool that I actually get to learn,
1: not that I want it back, I'm just happy I got to learn- where That we it have an origin story. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. you know what? All these people in the summer of love, they're trying to find each other and like, Y'all got no origin stories. Yeah, you're just swiping. You're like, not just
2: clout chasing. We here. need
1: yeah. origin yeah. stories. coming sense.
2: out of yeah, this we, pandemic, yeah. people. We need to origin. Goes stories.
0: way. It goes way deep. Um,
2: well, I'm glad this was your last stop before you head back. To yeah, the actually, place.
1: do you think you could drive us to the airport? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we're like sure, not gonna make it if you don't. No, yeah, we'll, sure we'll do to you
1: for doing this. Yeah. Oh, dude, this a huge, huge fan. Huge podcast. only podcast I want to be on besides maybe Risk or like. This American Life.
2: That's it. That's what about Mark Maron? Let's give. Shit. No, <laughs> no, no.
1: I unpacks better than
0: Mark Maron.
2: For me, it is. All right, so okay. that's one here. That's the b- best compliment I've ever received. Yeah. Um. Big shouts to you. Thank you so much. Big shouts. Look out for his new shit. Everybody.
1: Look out for me at cons. <laughs> Maybe don't stream my new album that's coming out. <laughs> It'll just be in the algorithm. We'll talk. You don't you. have to look for it. We'll talk. We'll talk to Sean. <laughs> yeah. All,
0: All right. Big right. shots. Peace. Patreon.com slash the Ion Pack. That's where you can get more just like this. Patreon.com slash the Ion You already know.